Hello, I'm Kane Winston. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Derrigish. And you're listening to The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Today, we are talking about Web of Spider-Man 4 and 5. So, Web of Spider-Man number 4, written by Danny Fingeroth, penciled by Greg LaRocque, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Jay Ferreter. Ferreter. Ferreter, and lettered by Phil Flex. Web 5, only difference really, is in pencils by Jim Mooney, inks by Craig LaRock, and colors by Bob Sharon. For those playing the home game, like a lot of the stories we cover, these two issues are not available through normal digital channels. Uh, the Web of Spider-Man does have an Essentials trade collection, but you're going to have to grab it secondhand because it's out of print. So it's kind of up to the market and where you find it kind of for the price. The individual issues are cheap. Uh, these aren't key. Well, these aren't really key issues. Number five does have a first appearance, but it's a first appearance no one really super cares about. So it's not going to bump the price up any. Uh, this is this is dollar bin fodder, uh, potentially. Um, you might have to pay a little bit more of it because it is in the single digits and a Spider-Man run, but uh, it's it's not going to be a difficult one or an expensive one. I don't know, Kane. When we're done with this, it might be a key issue. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wish we had that kind of pull. <laughs> hey, we. I heard some movement that Child Within might be getting some stuff. You know, like, I, hey, I think if, we're making waves. If it does, we're taking full credit. Hell yeah. all right so uh for this story so this is a doc ock story and this one actually has a lot of setup involved that plays through a lot of different storylines that were happening not just in spider-man so um we're going to be doing this one a little differently and so instead of just front loading this uh, episode with a lot of context we're going to give you just enough to get the story going and then when we get to the specific beats then we'll be dialing it back to the the stories involved but uh for this one Doc Ock is just mentally broken after having his ego just completely savaged by Spider-Man in an issue of Spectacular. And then and then even more recently, during Secret Wars, he was kind of like exposed to the vast infinite power of the Beyonder and he just couldn't comprehend uh, just how one person could be in control of all of that and it just kind of broke him and he shut down and so the, this number four kind of opens up with um well the the doc ock section opens up with him talking to his psychiatrist and kind of working through some stuff so that that's all really you need to know to get started with this story um but so so diving in like a lot of stories of this era it starts with just the coolest image um, you know, kind of from also from from like a few few years later, we've got that Sandman story with the with the uh, the 
Sinister Six or the Syndicate Six or whichever. Though, but what that also started with that really cool image of like all of them circled around. Um, I think I think we had uh one other with the black suit that had. But anyway, so the, this one Spider Man is upside down and he's like in a dark warehouse. The whole page is black and they just have the like the red outline of the spy of the uh, the the web pattern on his costume and it looks so cool. Yeah, it, it's really a wireframe. The eyes pop. That it's basically red and white and he just he just blends in. You only know where his feet are because the wireframe on the feet and like it it's really striking and it's funny because the sequence kind of follows with some of this but then we'll pop out to have like a yellow background and show you more of the costume and where he is and it's a it's a super striking sequence for just spider-man beating up some punks yeah so the this issue is really dialogue heavy and a lot of setup so to offset that because we gotta have a little punch in with our spider-man every month uh the the story opens with about like a six page sequence of spider-man just thrashing some guys uh who are stealing some fur coats um i i guess that was a big deal in the 80s i i don't know um but it's it's just it's a very visually striking sequence because the the lighting is so interesting uh like kind of like what matt was saying that it's mostly just completely black backgrounds but occasionally you'll get splashes of yellow from like um muzzle flare from guns going off or a truck's headlights kind of illuminate some characters and they're backlit and then you and then you see more of like spider-man's acrobatics but a lot of these scenes um hit the the blue in his costume just won't even be rendered it's just the the red sections um it's it's just really cool and worth you know because this issue is so cheap worth the price right there um but uh you know at the end of the day it's it's spider-man beating up some mooks it ends with a uh (laughs) pretty comical scene of like so this one guy gets away in the van with all the furs and spider-man clings to the side or to the top and the guy's like ha this truck's nine feet and the overpass is eight feet so let's just we'll we'll teach spider-man a lesson and like (laughs) i don't know what dude was thinking because spider-man just kind of gets onto the side punches him knocks him out and if you're familiar with the sequence from the recent video game where you do something similar spider-man jumps out in front of the van and stops it but in this he just gets in the van and kind of like mad maxes it for a little bit going through uh, some busy new york traffic uh ending with a traffic jam and people yelling at him and calling him a menace but like What's comical to me is taking this out of context and just thinking you're a guy like sitting in traffic and be like, I just want to go home and eat my like frozen TV dinner after my like job is like a middle manager and just like hate life. And then all of a sudden Spider-Man careens by in this like broken up like 18 wheeler rolls over and just like walks out and jumps away and you're like, well, now I'm going to be stuck in traffic for another six hours. Thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> and then a super villain was born. Exactly. And then a super the hungry man. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. This- 
Right. I I don't know. So you pull away from that, and then we get a little Peter Parker time, entangling us further in the web of Spider-Man. And I just want to make a note here, because this is really early web of. Like, there's only one arc before this, and it was done by a different author. And these web of issues are just another spider-man book there's no real angle there's no real raised a tet it's just here's the what third spider-man book mm-hmm. every month a- and it just ties in as much with the other books as anything and i could see where because i've heard people from this era being kind of frustrated with some of the stuff because it just felt like you had to read everything and it was hard to track and going back to it now tracking all this because it's not on the stands in a month it's harder to correlate and all that and it is kind of weird to try to pull across so many stories and keep things going but well i mean for sure like this the story alone uh puts in editorial boxes for peter parker 79 peter parker 100 fantastic four 267 and 268 secret and secret wars 12 right like (laughs) and these are these are stories that like were between like two and four years prior (laughs) like it's yeah i I could see how this would be frustrating for you know a a kid in in the 80s trying to like all right well i gotta pick up all these spider-man but i also really want to play galaga this week like you know um (laughs) i only have so many quarters um but to you know to the credit of the people going on like if you ignore the references like the story tells itself you're pretty much fine you don't really need a lot besides the basic understanding of the characters so it it plays through but i also might be blind to some of it because when you mention you know something happening with mr fantastic it doesn't really phase me right and then it's also easier for us to just like hop online and, and like if it's not available digitally like someone has written up like an extremely thorough like write-up of what happened on that issue like it's much easier for us these days to go and get like background context otherwise you know if you know like back then you're like all right well we got like a one panel recap of what happened in secret wars 12 is relevant to this story i hope that was enough (laughs) um but yeah okay so but we, we've kind of gone off on a ta- tangent a little bit um, right but okay so we're in the peter parker section of the story if you will and uh there's kind of this moment with uh jonah isn't really ahead of the daily bugle but running the now exclamation point magazine so again he's running this kind of like hot media moment thing where he's ahead of it or on it you know kind of like in the game he was on the radio or elsewhere you know doing different angles and not just the daily bugle publisher which is how we classically understand him and i honestly you know before the show didn't realize how rarely jonah really was in that editor's chair (laughs) yeah like it seems like he he does bounce around kind of whatever is the hot media thing like the 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 radio like you mentioned right now in the comics they've like uh he was briefly kind of like just an angry blogger but they they dropped that pretty quick when Zdarsky did his thing and then he was like um i think they, they've also kind of put him on the radio but then nick spencer just took him off the radio and now he's anyway anyway yeah we, we do a whole whole episode about the mess jonah has been in in the past like two years but that's neither here nor there you'll have to listen to our patreon about that um when we talk about the the 
the recent issues um there we go there's that stealth patreon plug (laughs) but yeah yeah so so this sets up you know robbie looks robbie who's uh acting as editor-in-chief kind of looks at the spider-man photos and says like these these are good like yeah they're they're moody they're strange but the spider-man angle is getting kind of passe it's not resonating with people i i I can't buy them um and and this this sets up some later stuff uh and then that's and then after this scene that's when we cut to doc ock talking to his psychiatrist his psychiatrist is cagey about referencing spider-man but also needs to talk about spider-man to to octavius uh, he's also interested in diving into his childhood, which we know is, um, you know, a, uh, let's see, what's the word, but um, formative, I guess, you know, like most childhoods are, but Otto's was was difficult. But it's just, it's the way Otto is drawn. He's always like, he's in this, even in other scenes, he's hunched over. He's very anxious. He's like the 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 physicality to his mental unwellness is very well rendered in the art. Um, right. What got me about this scene though is so Doctor Jefferson is his shrink, which mm-hmm. all right. But to me, one of the male nurses says even Mister Fantastic couldn't get anywhere with him, and it's like Mister Fantastic is a lot of things in the Marvel universe, but an empathetic like psychologist is not one of them. <laughs> and it just doesn't play through. And to talk to, um, I went through and I read the relevant Fantastic Four issues. And <laughs> he this... just says like three things to him. And he's well, like, you're right. I'm cured now. <laughs> well, but not really. Right. And like, like what Mr. Fantastic says to Doc Ock in those issues is mostly like, hey, my wife has a problem with radiation and we need you because you're a radiation expert, despite the fact that they had um, Michael Morbius um, Banner and Mr. Fantastic. No, they needed Dr. Octavius radiation specialist, but I thought he was mechanical because he did the arms, not uh, the, radiation. I, you know, the, it's it's been a while since I've read up on that origin story, and this might be me inserting like things from like the movie or whatever, which is fresher on my mind because it's a movie. Um, but if I remember correctly, the arms were created so that he could better manipulate radioactive material. Right, but clearly he wasn't great with the radioactive part, but maybe a little better <laughs> with the mechanic. I'm just it, well, yeah. I, I mean, like. So we've got, like, we're playing it both ways with the Marvel Super Science kind of deal where, like, and and I kind of like what Byrne did in Fantastic Four where, you know, yeah, you've got all these super smart people and Banner is also, yes, a genius in radiology, but in gamma radiology. And then, What are his accomplishments? (laughs) (laughs) I need to see some peer-reviewed research here. (laughs) Um, I mean, it he set up a bomb with unknown effects. I don't think uh, <laughs> it wasn't his fault that he decided to run into the live test because some hippie was playing a guitar. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, 
It's also interesting to me that they bring up this Fantastic Four um, issue because beat for beat, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what happens is, and this is, you know, Otto gets a pep talk from his psychologist, goes into his room. He sees a spider in the corner of his room. It causes him to freak out, have it like have a panic and anxiety attack. Uh, which his which calls which he like subconsciously calls to his arms telekinetically because it's been established that he has a telekinetic link to his arms, which then thrash around and break out and rampage through New York. Because that's, that's how radiation works. Yeah. <laughs> this is more or less the B plot for that uh, Fantastic Four issue. The A plot being uh, Sue Storm's complication to her pregnancy from getting bathed in radiation from the negative zone um but the b plot for that is you know richards kind of gives otto the pep talk and otto's able to like rein it in he's like okay no i can do this and then they see one of those spider-man billboards that uh was put up in spectacular that we talked about uh i think like two or three episodes ago and it causes them to have a freak out again and the arms break out of containment and rampage new york it's the same story and so like uh and i think this is like a year or six months after that fantastic four story so i'm like i I just i'm really curious if there's something going on there behind the scenes like if someone stepped on someone's toes or if they just like let's just roll the same story again it's it's the third spider-man book who knows well so then the fantastic four like doc has a bit of a freak out but mr fantastic basically just talks him down basically Mm -hmm. like you're gonna go turn yourself in now because if you don't we're gonna have a problem Problem. you don't want a problem with me like it's kind of like damn all right and he literally just talks his way out of it by basically being like i have the bigger d like <laughs> it's a weird move for mr fantastic in my mind i i still haven't read that much fantastic four but that's more my other podcast mm. um so yeah okay but getting back to these uh web of issues like <laughs> spider i mean spider-man at this point is gunning for a fight with otto right uh yes yeah, so he is uh so jonah had offered him kind of on the sly a spot with now magazine uh and so peter was thinking like all right well i gotta upgrade my camera i gotta get like a really nice camera for for something like this right. and um <laughs> And this, we've already jumped into the second issue, but, um, and, well, wait. Not yet, because, okay, so there's there's this whole bit where in order to f- find trouble, basically, uh, Spider-Man's out looking for a camera, and so he's at this booth. Uh, it's basically a Radio Shack booth. I guess that's how New York works. I don't know. I'm not a city slicker. <laughs> but, so, he, he's trying to upgrade, upgrade his tech, and he's talking about doing classes, which are probably more important, knowing what I know about photography. It's more about the photographer than the camera. But... He's looking at that, some brouhaha arises, a la (laughs) Dr. Octopus. In order to follow him, he he nabs this police band radio, which was what you saw in an ad it was 14 dollars or something uh, right, 16.95 so right. like yeah he, he's at this booth trying to buy this camera but then the police banner radio the display police banner radio mm-hmm. which is broadcasting uh announces that octavius's arms 
are on the loose so and like the clerk went to the back to go get like a nicer camera lens and so peter just drops a 20 onto the counter and races off with the the radio and and matt you had some problems with this (laughs) well so it's a police band radio which is the thing i know it's the 80s so you know 20 flies further but still in today money a police band radio at like low end is gonna cost you 130 dollars and and then proportionately it would still be more because getting anything radio is more expensive proportionally and then getting police bad like there was purposely a prohibitive price on that like initially it was a big deal that someone like batman or something would have that and was kind of part of the show of wealth and so spider-man just like slapping down a 20 and on the fly doing also i guess the batteries are already charging in it which for the 80s is a thing and at that price makes it even more of a deal i i don't know it really it it really hit it also hit me weird too because a big thing played through this era of spider-man is the financial responsibility bit which we talked a lot about with the honeymoon issue how much of that actually made the cut i'm not 100 (laughs) percent We had to cut a lot for that episode, just just for context. So, irregardless, uh, that's not hard. It is. It's in the dictionary. Um, (laughs) Spider-Man is a character that has a tie to the word responsibility, and his fiscal responsibility has been something of a pain point. Me reading this general era of Spider-Man, I know he's supposed to be a little down on his luck and struggling to make ends meet at times, but the ways he spends money and doesn't worry about rent at times is disconcerting to me. But Hobo Spider-Man works, I guess. It just—it's <laughs> weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so no, I mean that, that's a good that's a good point. Like th- this does seem to be kind of like a very convenient way to tie tie Spider-Man in, like the the B plot in, like, you know, to to connect the dots, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so he uses this police banner radio to find the arms which lead him to Doc Ock. The arms kind of like gingerly lift Doc Ock and take him away. Uh, Spider-Man tries to give chase, but the arms knock down a support beam, which happens to just be freestanding, like not not in the wall or anything. It just like grabs a pillar and rips it out. So Spider-Man is stuck uh, holding up something extremely heavy, which it wouldn't be a Dr. Octopus story if Spider-Man didn't have to hold something very heavy for a while. Um, you know, all a master planner. Here, here's my question, though. So Doc Ock's basically knocked out. He's not really conscious at this point. Yeah, they had to, they sedated him when he started having his panic attack. Which means the arms are really, truly, not even subconsciously being moved on their own, in a way. So, does that imply that there's a mystical component, sort of a, uh... I, uh, uh, octaverse. An octopus totem. All right. Oh. Well, you heard it here, folks. First, uh, get ready for octoverse. Um, brought to you by the great minds of the untold toxic Spider-Man. I, We're gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and copyright this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna or trademark. No copyright. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna go up against Disney if if this if they they make this and we're gonna win. I'm pretty we gotta, sure Gage has already been building to that, and there's some illusions in Web Warriors, but too yeah. bad, too bad. Well, we'll let Gage in on it too. He, he, whatever. <laughs> 
No one else. <laughs> All, right. All right. Um, but yeah, so so the issue ends with Otto reviving in an underground lair because again, wouldn't be an octopus story if there wasn't an underground lair. And kind of like getting his mojo back. It's you know, with these arms I have gained I've known the glory of victory. Uh victory over the accursed Spider-Man. And, you know, um <laughs> The power of Dr. Octopus. And then he's like, yes, Dr. Jefferson, monologuing to himself. Peace of mind for Octopus is at hand. All I require to achieve it is the death of Spider-Man. Just a very dramatic way to end this issue uh, with a a great big splash panel of kind of like the the victories and defeats of Otto Octavius at the hands of Spider-Man. Well, but what Ock is doing here in his lair with his a lot of goons. I, I don't know how he arranged that or how he's financing that when he's just out of the mental ward. They're all temps. The temp agency's paying for him. Oh, okay. Um, but he somehow built a robot that <laughs> fights like Spider-Man. Like, yes. But he's a radiation expert, not the mechanic. Um, he Googled it. All right. <laughs> he Googled it in 1985. Cool. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, so, and what he's doing is he's, like, ramping himself up for the fight, and he's, like, testing strategies, like, he's thinking through it, and I like the angle here. Also, here's something that moves and acts but doesn't speak like Spider-Man. That's a robot. I'm shocked this never really came up directly from this again. Yeah, like, uh, like I'm, I'm really surprised because, because Dan Slott was all about them deep dives and and pulling things deep from continuity. Uh, you know, would I blame him for passing over Web of Spider-Man four and five? No. Yes. <laughs> dude, it's uh, a know. Doc Ock thing. Doc Ock was his dude, and like a Spider-Man lookalike to fight with. Ro- no, that that didn't missed opportunity make- for sure. Oh my gosh. Um. But, man, this is such a different Doc Ock than the superior Spider-Man that we have now. This is not a self-assured megalomaniac. This is someone barely keeping it together whose psyche's been fractured by the infamatum of the universe being put on display and essentially weaponized against him. And coming back home and getting frickin' dunked on by Spider-Man and then getting told what's up to the point that like shatters any self-illusion of value he has meanwhile retroactively getting punched in the head so often it's literally causing (laughs) brain damage like an nfl player like this dude ain't doing well not that he not saying that he deserves to do well (laughs) um but yeah no he's in a bad spot and if people could lay off of him and if he'd stop putting himself in a position where people needed to deal with him might be doing better quit quit robbing banks Ock. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah yeah so speaking to just how like broken up he is and that that thrashing he got from spider-man we flash back to peter parker spider-man 79 which was a big doc ock and spider-man showdown which ended with ock realizing he was about to lose and not wanting to lose to spider-man trying to basically kill them both and spider-man spider-man says that in in 79 says like like ock is trying to pull down the building on top of them and um 
And Spider-Man says, like, stop, you're going to kill us both if you do this. And Ox says, like, I can't suffer another loss to you. I'd rather die. And this way I can do it by my own hand. And Spider-Man, of course, manages to get out of there with both of them and then just lays into Ock and says, like, you will never be able to defeat me. I will always be, like, you are at your strongest right now, and I still defeated you. Just just give up. Just stop trying. Just give up. And, like, it's... Yeah, and then that was the start of it, and then and then the Secret Wars thing happened, and it just it broke him even further. I want to talk a bit more about that Spider-Man seventy-nine bit because Mm -hmm. a that was marked as the final battle for those two. We know, of course, that wasn't, but as far as like weight and comic books between an antagonist and the protagonist, that was a shift for those characters that was never fully taken back because up until that point. Doc Ock was one of the few that had truly bested Spider-Man. Like that was that was his intro, was beating him up, mm. and Spider-Man was so down he didn't think he could continue. Obviously, early in the career, you know. <laughs> but at this point, like you said, Spider-Man called him out. Also, that moment is played verbatim in the web of issues we're talking about. It's a rare point where it's not just a reference. They literally use the full thrust of that dialogue with a little different art to make Spider-Man look more menacing, only slightly more so than he was in um, Spectacular. And it shows like what an effect that left on Dr. Octopus. And it's crazy to think that there's this huge character moment with the shift between them that's all but forgotten about now. None of this was mentioned during really any of Slot's stuff, but this is a huge moment between the two of them and really gets to the reason why Dr. Octopus truly starts basically arching Mm -hmm. on Spider-Man. Like, it's not just a superhero, supervillain thing. It's personal now, truly, in a way that it isn't for most villains. Right. Um, Yeah, that's... it's. I like I know people a lot of people will say that like oh Doc Ock is my favorite Spider-Man villain or he is, he's like Spider-Man's greatest foe and like I was never in that camp but like reading these two issues I can see that and I see your point right there is that like it's he starts arch villaining like it's it's a personal like it's it's a Norman Osborn level of personal um and so like I, and and so the, it's hmm. I I'd argue it's I mean it, I guess it's on that level but it's so different because it's literally just between them it's not the peter parker thing it's the history and the time they spent together (laughs) it's the arch enemies you make along the way (laughs) i i i think there's something more organic about the doc ock spider-man rivalry that came out of the serialization of it and the needing Mm. them for them to fight whereas the green goblin stuff after a point really always comes back to one moment and that's what they lean on and they build and they try to make more out of that didn't need any more made out of it but really i mean a lot of the green goblin stuff comes and goes but the doc ock stuff builds and twists as Mm. the years go on so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All, all of that to say was that, like, I was always a little cooler on Doc Ock than everyone else was. But, like, after reading this story, I can kind of see where that the, that passion comes from and, like, why this is uh, an enthralling character for some people. Yeah. No trapster, but, you know, good villain. <laughs> no paste pot Pete. But, um, uh, but, okay, yeah. And then, so the rest of this issue is more or less uh, another another big brawl. Um 
we we get like like we mentioned what feels like hours ago uh the, the issue starts with Ock kind of like he's got some new duds he's got some cool 80s glasses um you know Mooney Mooney really does like a great great faces in this and uh Larock with the with the inks really brings out some of the shadows and so this is you know it it looks a lot different than the last issue even though the well, which makes sense the art team changed completely <laughs> but well, but I mean um, Doc Ock has a design I don't think I've seen before since though mm-hmm. very much in the spirit uh, like a, a green old jumpsuit some eyewear and you know whatnot but it it's different it's an interesting it's just enough yeah it's 80s it's very 80s um 80s science chic uh another another interesting thing about the art or the art here is for two panels we have spider-man in the black suit the rest he's in the red and blues i have a feeling that's again coming off from another book where maybe i don't know like i guess some books like he was supposed to be more in the black suit than not to give some distinction but it's like he's coming off of one adventure and jumping back into another i i guess because yeah yeah because in uh in the scene where he's in the black suit it says uh after another day of searching i still haven't found Ock, though i did manage to save rocket racers hash uh which has a note from Thank peter parker 104 goodness <laughs> which <laughs> talking about slang that has not aged well i'm pretty sure that is not the story that i think it is when he says he saved rocket racers hash but it's true retrospectively it's a huge boner <laughs> oh, God. oh okay talking about infamous batman panels <laughs> oh that issue if you haven't read it is the best batman story ever told um <laughs> Uh, anyway, oh God, we we've gone way like all over the place this episode. It's all. Um, it's all. No, I think I. The thing is, is this issue is pulling from so much of what we've been talking about. Sans the Batman. Um. <laughs> But it, th- that's the thing is like this issue is really great, but I feel like if you were to just read it of its own accord, it wouldn't have the punch because you wouldn't understand the relationship between these two and a lot of what Doc Ock's been going through. Kind of like when we talked about Sandman, we had to go to that two in one to get that moment with the thing because that was transformative. The moment with fa- the Fantastic Four isn't as transformative for Ock, but it really does inform his mental state and how it's been part of Marvel beyond Spider-Man for that, for that character. And I think that adds to it. Mm-hmm. Also with the it. Secret Wars. <laughs> also with the Secret Wars. and then, But yeah, then you have things like Rocket Racer, you have Nathan Lebesky showing up. Um, were right. you going to say something? Oh, no, no. I mean, oh. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're getting to the point where there's been building between these two and we're about to have the final fight for the issue and we have a weird moment where spider-man's by an atm and it pulls out more money than it's supposed to give him and then the money literally just floats away <laughs> um it, it, there's literally nothing else to it. it literally blows away it's not tied to anything else really and it's again this financial moment where it's like they need to have spider-man not have money and just have it like outside of his grasp to the point that it's needlessly comical it's right. such a like, weird angle it gets blown away in the wind and it's like this this is a guy who can dodge bullets are you saying he can't just snatch that like real quick like yeah (laughs) um 
We did skip past the uh, the introduction of Kate Cushing. Uh, oh. This is this is her first issue. She is a minor, like minor, semi minor, uh, Daily Bugle character. She's the city editor. Uh, so this is you know for for a uh, podcast about deep cuts, we sure do get a lot of first first appearances. We got that first appearance of Gene DeWolf. Um, we right. got a first appearance of someone else i can't remember but uh first appearance of of the manga spider-man duh (laughs) yeah well i mean that's the thing is there's a lot of first appearances of characters that nobody cares about they're littered Mm. in comics it's funny the ones that crop up later is valuable but you're right she's there um she's Mm. the new editor who literally is just without any circumstances just put in and uh (laughs) she assigns peter to go what was it a un story to get an angle that no one else could yeah she's like you have this knack for getting pictures at angles that no one else seems to be able to get like you're able to infiltrate uh there's like a un meeting go check it out and typical parker luck you know he goes he's able to like sneak into the uh the air ducts and get some snaps and pictures and just as soon as he finishes he hears that they posted some uh sentries at the air ducts uh and so he's stuck there for a while which allows doc ock time to uh collect his plans and kidnap kate cushing uh because he's looking for spider-man and uh so he kidnaps the new hire (laughs) he kidnaps the new hire at the bugle because when you want spider-man you go to the bugle he's gonna show up eventually um yeah but and you know and then the parker luck strikes when at the end of the issue you discover that the shots are all out of focus because of the mesh over the uh the air duct that he was like taking the pictures of and it, because of the mesh they're not they're like it's not going to come out in newsprint which is you know an interesting note um you know something we don't really think about in today's day and age but you had to have pretty clear pictures for the newspaper otherwise they're they're going to be too blurry to see because of the way the the imprecise nature of newsprint well, that's why you hire a professional like Nick Katzenberg. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So Kate Cushing acts as kind of the uh, damsel in distress for this issue. She gets kidnapped by Ock. Spider-Man rushes in and starts fighting Ock, who actually manages to handle him pretty well. Like Ock's training pays off. He's learned how to like grab some chains to kind of add some variable to the like weight and swing of his arms. Spider-Man manages to tangle those up. Ox using now using them as a pommel to kind of like beat Spider-Man and has him on the ropes until he realizes because Otto thought that he's fighting the uh the robot Spider-Man again. But just as like he's about to rend Spider-Man into pieces, Spider-Man makes a joke like he's want to do. Otto realizes that that's the real Spider-Man and just breaks down again. Like he's like his his mojo is gone and he like he goes catatonic. Right. Which is crazy. And they pointed out like Spider-Man's like he had me up until he realized it was actually me. Uh, That's how bad Ox broke it. What's crazy, though, is Ox doesn't just have him compromised. Spider-Man is above his head. One of Ox's metal arms is on each one of Spider-Man's limbs. And he's about to one man quarter Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man. Uh, and there's nothing Spider-Man could do except quipping and then gets out. Like, it, it's crazy that you'd have that much control over someone and then realizing it's actually them is what breaks you down. It's super, super nuts. It's super compelling, though, because there's no other situation where that would happen that would make sense. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's just... You know, again, it's super compelling because, like, this was set up so well, not only just in the last issue, but in all these stories prior. Like, we, we, we've seen this as a progression uh, for the character. And so this is a beat that makes sense. Had, like, had this been, an, like, an idea that was introduced in the first issue and then and then in the, like, the second issue, the payoff was here, it wouldn't be as good because it, it would feel more forced. But this feels so natural uh, and, and makes it just... A, uh, an engaging read yeah uh speaking of engaging so spider-man like so ock is you know catatonic and his mooks are like well i guess we should like do something so yeah let's let's just let's just shoot spider-man and and, <laughs> and spider-man's like hold up hold up uh this guy's not gonna be able to like like he, he basically talks him down he's like do you really want to be following this guy who's just like a like he's <laughs> He's a loser. <laughs> and man's got a point. And then it's over. <laughs> uh, so another convenient well, exit. That's but not like, true. Spider-Man's planning on destroying the arms once and for all. And a lawyer comes in and says you can't. So Spider-Man's <laughs> just like, and leaves. True villain. The true villain is the lawyer. I mean, that seems about right. <laughs> But yeah, so we, we get to the end of the issue, um, you know, Kate rejects the pictures that Spider-Man or Peter took. Uh, and then we end with this little nugget, uh, you know, just once I'd like to have a happy ending. Next issue, Gold Rush, which I'll be honest, I have not read it, so I don't know what happens, but maybe it's, maybe he gets a Gold Rush, who knows? Um, I'll, I'll have to hunt down issue six and see, uh, see who, uh, see what goes on. I know it's not gold balls, sadly. <sighs> well then. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that, so that's, that's the, um, uh, that's it for four and five. Um, you know, fun, fun little issues, two little two-parter. Um, I feel like we, we, while we were talking about it, we kind of went in about why it's a good Doc Ock story and why it's a good Spider-Man versus Doc Ock story. Was, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? I mean, I, I feel like we covered that, you know, like it's mm -hmm. really it's so wrapped up in the relationship between these two. And I guess something that's really telling about this issue to that was in the Fantastic Four issue, what broke Doc Ock was the billboards of Spider-Man, mm -hmm. Hero Menace. And just the sight of him being around is what set Doc Ock off. And I don't feel like really there's any other character that has that much of a like arch mentality against specifically just Spider-Man more so than Dr. Octopus. Mm -hmm. It's just the sight of him irritates him. Yeah, I mean, this this is a story that really just proves why you can't take Doc Ock away from Spider-Man, kind of like how you can do with his other rogues, like Sandman or Rhino or Kingpin. Or even or, the Green Goblin. Yeah, yeah, even the Green Goblin. Like, I, I couldn't see, like, a Thunderbolts kind of story, like a Warren Ellis Thunderbolts story work with, like, Doc Ock, where, like, where he's away from Spider-Man like this. It's just, it's, I, I don't think, I don't think you could do it. Because I think if you take Doc Ock away from Spider-Man, the relationship between the two, suddenly mm -hmm. you just have a fat man in a jumpsuit 
with some tentacles. Like he, he's not compelling without the relationship. Right. Well, uh, I guess I, that's I guess... fat shaming. I'm sorry, but <laughs> well, no, I was about to say. Well, the, I, I guess we this this issue also probably illustrates why we're not super hot on Superior Spider-Man right now. Yeah. <laughs> there well, we go. All right. That cool. and also the aspect of it being played out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess for next review we do on the Patreon for that we'll just insert this entire episode yeah boom there you go <laughs> there we go easy easy mode easy mode all right well that leads us to this web of rankings so this is clearly high and above in my opinion our uh our pumping up mark uh i'm gonna i would say this is this is a pretty high one for me um i'm gonna put this one above who is that goblin i saw you with Ooh. So that would put it in the one, two, three, four, five, number six. So right under uh, the days of our lives. Yeah, right under that like death of Sandman story. Like, which all three of these stories are great villain stories, but like th- that Sandman one, just it, it, you know, I, I'm a sucker for heartstrings. It pulled at the heartstrings a little bit, and it was it, it was basically the end cap for a two decade story. Um, yeah, and and it pulled it off well. So uh, you know, I I think that this one like also play the long game but not quite as a long game so a little less like you know there are a little less moving parts that all had to go be working in harmony um yeah no i mean i almost want to fight you just for the sake of it but i agree with that you know (laughs) all right that's good placement and yeah what's what's funny about that too was i was trying to look up to see other opinions of these issues before we got on and all that i could really find um was spider fan and they gave it effectively a one star you know one one webhead and i was kind of blown away that they were giving it low marks because they thought it was just another rote dr octopus story and to me this is a culmination of so many dr octopus stories so Mm. it builds it's not just rehash and yeah there you go yeah yeah there we go all right. Well, uh, next next time on Untold Talks of Spider Man, um, we're 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 gonna. I can't remember why why we we segued into this one other than I really like the story. I've been making reference to it often, and it's probably about time that we cover it. Uh, we are going to be talking about Tangled Web of, or I'm sorry, Spider Man's Tangled Web number thirteen, uh, which is titled uh, Double Shot. Um, it's a fun little story, um, but looking forward to talking about it. And I think it pairs really well with these issues as well. Yes, yes. Uh, not to give anything away, (laughs) but, uh... Anyway, thanks to everyone for listening. If you haven't, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review for the show. It helps others find us, and it fills us with them warm, fuzzy feelings. Um, if you want to contribute monetarily to the show, uh, we, we, we would love you. Uh, $3.99 a month gets you access to that off-referenced, um, or oft-referenced Patreon show where Matt and I discuss all of the Spider-Man books that are coming out except for Amazing and uh also gets you reference or gets you access to mark and dan's patreon show where they talk about amazing so if you're interested in modern comics and hearing our thoughts and opinions on those that's where you can do that 3.99 a month uh 10.99 or i'm sorry 10 dollars a month gets you art 
And I'm just going to cut that. We're just going to stick it with the Patreon, with, with the, the B title, because we're starting to run long. Um, special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, check out the show notes for links. Uh, you can always follow our show on Twitter at UntoldTalksSPMN. You can email the show, UntoldTalksSpiderMan at gmail.com, or you can follow our Facebook, UntoldTalksSpiderMan. Uh, Matt, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at MagicalMatt42 on Twitter, or you can punch into your podcast app the words Never Stay Dead and hear more of my voice. Oh, that's just what I want to hear. I just want to fall asleep to you talking to me about Batman. Yeah, I got a little angry about that, so, you know. <laughs> and you can find me at Kane Wrights on Twitter. Uh, I don't know why you'd want to. I pretty much only just retweet whatever the whatever the main uh, the main site or the main Twitter says, but you know, what have you. Uh, and until I build a robot replica of Matt so that I can have podcasts with him while he's away doing other things, make mine untold. Untold.